Ay, ay, ay. Hola, amor. Hola, cariño. <laughs> Welcome to Uy, Que Horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. You go first. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up already. I'm Johnny. <laughs> and I'm Eileen. <laughs> Can we keep that? We're keeping yes. it. Yes, we're, we're keeping, keeping it. it. So yeah, this is a Latinx horror movie podcast. We watch a Latinx horror movie every week. We talk about it. Some are good. Some are great. Some are real bad. I don't want to spoil it, but today is, uh, I'd say it fo follows into the latter category. But, uh, you know, we, we, we did it. It was an adventure. Um, <laughs> yes, a lovely Argentinian bad movie adventure. Honestly, yeah. I... I the wonderful part about horror is that sometimes you just stumble upon a fucking steaming pile of shit and uh and yet it still can be a lovely amazing entertaining time and i think this is gonna be this is definitely <laughs> this is gonna be interesting well the reason so i picked the movie this week i didn't mean to pick another movie from argentina because my last choice was Aterrados, which was also from That's Argentina. That's true. You both both um, of yours have been Argentina-based. Which was totally... So I'm going to take a break from boludo. Argentina for a bit. So much boludo, pelotudo, oh. che, auxidos, oh, It's just... It's almost too much for me. No offense to Argentina. But I picked this movie specifically because it's called 2 slash 11... Dia de los Muertos, which means November 2nd. And this episode drops on 2-11. On Dia de los Muertos, yeah. Dia de los Muertos. That's why I wanted to choose this movie. That's why I did choose it. I'm happy slash so pissed that I did. You know, I, I genuinely am shocked that out of our Mexico movies... Maybe I just haven't delved deeper into the Mexico horror realm or whatever, because you'd think there would be some sort of Dia de los Muertos situation. And then I also was like, wait, how does it work in the rest of the world? And this movie didn't explain that at all. <laughs> Not for a moment. They just kind of, I, I think they just kind of make shit up. To be totally think, honest. Well, I did some I did some research, and uh, I'll say that I think they relied a lot upon just the date, November second, because there is a section in the movie where it kind of talks about it, but like it genuinely is just like this happened on November second, and that's kind of it. I have a feeling that what you, you're totally right about the Mexican films. Like, I refuse to believe. That yeah. there is not a Dia de los Muertos movie in there somewhere that like months from now, hopefully years from now, when we're still, you know, just delving into our Latinx horror movies. Yes. We're going to be like, fuck, why didn't we do this movie why? instead? But at, at least it'll give us options for the next Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. But today, Listen, and if you're starving for Dia de los Muertos content, just go watch Coco. So the movie... 2-11, Dia de los Muertos. Here's the little synopsis that we have for it. A young man is found wandering around the woods outside a town, naked and covered in blood. He turns out to be the local marshal's brother. A series of unexpected events start to happen that will shock the whole place. The whole place? The whole place. The whole place is shocked. <laughs> shock the place. That place uh... is shocked. 
<laughs> My! Wow. Yes, that is exactly what happens. Are you ready to get into this? Let's film? talk about two slash November 11th. Like, what do we call it? Who knows? Who I knows? have no idea. Let's just call it Dia de los, Mu de los Muertos. Dia de los Muertos. Bueno, pues. Great. So the, the movie starts and it's like the opening credits and it's interspliced with some young man screaming. And you would think this would be spooky, but unfortunately it is not. It is... No. Uh, kind of funny we we cut to <laughs> an old man well kind of like old-ish man i'm gonna call him the campfire story man good great yeah great even though later on we find out his name is eusebio which i've Eus never heard when i heard the name eusebio i wrote it down i was like this is the most latino thing because it sounds it to me it sounds like a bible name eusebio like I, I hear Eusebio and I see like a church and a pastor like Eusebio made me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> I've never heard this name before. Me neither, um, but I genuinely was like, this is, this is Beelzebub came to mind for some reason. <laughs> like, it just sounded so funny to me, Eusebio. So, Eusebio, what would be... What would I was going to say, what is the, like, uh, what, would, what would be the kind of Americanized version of this name? Eusebio? I, Eusebius. Eusebius? Eusebius. Eusebius. It's like a storefront. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's... Everybody... Keep Eusebio in your brain, but we, I can't. Should we just call him Eusebio? It's his, it's his name. His name is Eusebio. How can okay. we ever Eusebio. forget it? How can Eusebio. we not? So, okay. Eusebio is telling us a campfire tale, but he literally just says, between Malabrigo and, ba and Bache Viejo, uh -huh. there is a forest. And you're like, great. Okay. And what of it? Yeah. We then cut to a William Blake quote, which I don't think has anything to do with this movie so whatsoever I, I wrote them down conduce tu carro y tu arado sobre huesos de los muertos which is drive your cart and plow over the bones of the dead and then the other one is quien desea y no actúa engedra la plaga oh he who desires but acts not breeds pestilence i i'm trying to apply it to the movie Girl. You know, like the ending of the movie, but I feel like everybody kind of acts on their impulses in this movie. But this quote is t saying, like, I don't, I, I, I honestly, I don't want to think about it. I me just neither. Don't think it me fits neither. Very much. Sometimes <laughs> when movies give me a quote at the top, I'm like, bro, I'm not fucking smart enough for this. Who, William Blake? Yes, I've heard the name. Do you think I fucking know? No, I don't. You want, you want me to Google that shit? While I'm watching your film? Look, I do not... Look, there are amazing movies that have been made for, like, teeny little budgets. Like, there have been some incredible films. But at the top of this film, it just... It feels a little douchey. And, you know, it makes me think... It's almost like the quote would fit better at the end of the film. Like, if you yes. really need it in there... Anyway, we get this quote. Honestly, don't think it applies. But if you watch this movie and you're like... Johnny Eileen, you're idiots. This is how it applies. Cool. Let us know later. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> we, 
we uh, tweet we our... us at Uy Kuror and let us know. So next thing we see is there's a bloody man and he's running through a forest. He we also see like a car driving around in what looks like a rural road. This bloody man, which I must say has a cute little tush because he's balls ass naked. Yeah, he runs all out into the road. <laughs> he runs into the road. This driver almost hits him. It so gave the me, you know what it gave me? It gave me, me Mar Mary Vincent vibes. Remember Mary Vincent? She uh, <gasps> was attacked by that man and he cut both her arms off and she. Oh my he, God. And he left her for dead and she was butt ass naked and she climbed a fucking hill. With no fucking hill arms. With no arms and like had to like stop someone on the freeway. Imaginate. You're driving down like your road of wherever you live in the middle of fucking nowhere, and a naked person covered in blood is right there. No, you know it really makes me think. Like, what I, I I hope to think that I would of course stop and be like, oh my god, what's wrong with you? Let me take you. Let me help you. Let me take you to the hospital. But that's it would be so scary. You wouldn't know until you were faced with the actual thing. I did not think of Mary Vincent, but yes, absolutely. So the guy who almost hits him calls the cops. The cops arrive. They're very dramatic, and um, they're pulling out guns. Like my dude is naked. <laughs> Where is he gonna hide a gun? Up his fucking ass behind his balls? You gotta pull out your gun? No. Relax. Uh, uh, Agreed. The it was incredibly dramatic, and they're also just like so skittish. I'm like, this person is not gonna do anything. Would you help this person who's standing in the road covered in blood? Well, they do eventually, but they figure out. They're like, don't shoot him. Put your guns down. That's Elias Santi's brother. Yeah. Cut to the title of this film. Now these opening credits are not done very well unfortunately <laughs> just There's not done because they like please a lot of the effects in this film which i will include the titles in were obviously made with like stock footage you know it all looks very independent but like it's tough yeah, and it's also the music doesn't work for it. It sounds like action movie music. Yeah, and, and then there's that random like monk choir singing oh, be, hoo, hoo, like very omen sounding stuff. Demasiado. It's just hey. demasiado. And Too much. it's cutting between like the title, but then it's like cutting between people at a campfire like clapping and singing with the music on top of it. Demasiado. Too much. So we're back at this campfire where this dude was like, Malabrigo, Bache Viejo, the forest in between. And we find out that it's November 1st, 1997. Eusebio is telling a story to a bunch of kids. There's like some young parents there. There's like a young couple being all canoodly, wrapped up in a blanket. A horrible and blanket. That blanket like was so Like a smiley ugly. face. Ooh. Hideous, so smiley ugly. face, like 70s. It was just bad, like psychedelic <laughs> blanket. Yeah. Um, and there's also one of the kids has insisted on staying inside the car here. There's a car yeah. there that I guess they drove to the campsite. He's playing like a little kind of Game Boy thing. The kid in the car, though, I don't know the significance of it whatsoever. They we don't find showing... out until hella later that that's... Santiago in the that, car. Also, like the scene 
I don't understand the significance because he keeps looking. It's nighttime. He keeps looking outside because he's spooked, but he's literally right next to this campfire that he doesn't want to be a part of. At one point, he like turns on the, the, the headlights. So I'm like, yeah. oh, it's going to be something horrible in the woods. There's nothing there. Nothing. All he sees is the horrible, smiley face, psychedelic <laughs> 70s blanket couple canoodling and walking off into the woods, which I guess is significant later. Yes, so I suppose but, but that's I, the I, only reason. The point of this whole part, though, this scene is Eusebio is giving a campfire tale and he's like, Okay, here's my scary story, children. He says, do you know what Dia de los Muertos is? Okay. And then he says, let me tell you a scary story. And he tells the story of a she-wolf going Shakira. into... Shakira. Shakira. in tu closet, or whatever, <laughs> however it goes. I love that fucking song. Oh my anyway, God, that please. music video is so great. She looks so fucking good. It's a great song. She Wolf yes. by Shakira, everybody. Loba, you gotta. She looks great. Get um, into it. So this She-Wolf goes into town. She's in heat and she seduces all the dogs and the dogs follow her into like a forest. And then basically it's a trap for her male wolf counterparts to attack these dogs. And it's like, and then, you know, as he's telling the scary, these little kids are like babies too. They are teeny tiny nuggets. And this guy is like, y la loba viene y se come or whatever. And these little kids are so scared. And then one of the parents puts on a wolf mask, pops out, and he's like, boo. And everybody's like, oh my God, the wolf. Great. What the fuck does that have to do with Dia de los Muertos? Nada. I mean, the story, the, the Shakira She-Wolf story has something to do with our movie story, like with our plot line. But in terms of Dia de los Muertos, as far as I researched, there is nothing, nothing, nothing. to do with, with the, the holiday here. We then cut to November 2nd, 2011, which I guess is right around the time that this bloody guy was found on the road. We're at the police station where Santi, who is a police officer... He's supposed to be, you can tell he's like the more serious brother. He's a, he must be a little bit older. So we're at this station. The cops are telling Santi that they found his brother. He was covered in blood. They're like, we're going to send him home with you. We can't charge him right now. We can't charge him yet. We found a machete and a video camera near him, which is going to be in police custody. So cool. Santi then takes Elias home. And does not, okay, this kid is still covered in blood. And he sits him down at a table and just stares at him. I'm like, could you please put this child in it? Not a child. He's like, I think he's late teens, early 20s, whatever. 19. Shut, 19 put, is what we learn later on. He's 19. 19 years old. Get that fucking kid. He probably stinks. He's covered in blood. Let him shower. But he just sits him down at the table. And we get this random this movie is filled with flashbacks. Ugh, I didn't which know just what makes time, it... <laughs> what was when and where. I was like, where are we? Who was, what is happening? First of all, I also wrote down, give him a bath, please. Oh my God. That's Disgusting. all I can think about. Disgusting. But then we go and it's literally him driving up to a lady's house. A lady comes out and she's like, ¿Y qué quieres? Oh, eso es un pelotudo, que no sé qué. Eso es un pelotudo. 
that's what I wrote down too in all caps. I loved it. Sos un pelotudo. They get pissed at each other real fast. Immediately. It's just in like, this little flashback. why do you come over? Why are you coming here? Why are you telling me? Because literally Santi goes up to her and he's like, I'm going to try and work on my relationship with my brother. And she's like, why the fuck do I care, you fucking dick? So un pelotudo, andate a la mierda. And then he's like, okay, well, fuck you. I didn't mean to fucking. And we're like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We went from zero to 50 very fast. We literally just came out of the credits, I feel like the opening credits. So it's all just a lot to kind of swallow at the top. Unfortunately, it's just not done very. It's cool to kind of piece it all together, but it's, but it it's takes, a little jarring. It, it takes some time to get to even understand what the pieces are to put them together, though. I wrote, who is this woman? I don't know if they ever said her name. I had to look at the credits to get her name. Brother, yo, I, I just wrote Santi's ex the whole time because we find out eventually that she's his ex because mm -hmm. she comes to the home and she's the one that helps to finally put Elias in a fucking shower. And, and this is where we learn that, you know, she has some sort of relationship with Elias. And she's like, it's my fault that this happened to him because I kicked him out that night and I, he was going to come stay with me. Yes. We literally cut to that same flashback, like you said, but we get this scene where Elias and her name is Mecha, the ex, her name is Mecha, which I Shut get. Shut get, up, I, dude. Mecha. Really? Unless I'm wrong. And apparently that is a nickname for Mercedes. Have you ever heard this in your yes, entire I life? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Okay, never heard that. So Mecha is our Mecha. lady. Elias shows up and she's like, Benique, I have to show you something. They start, they're about to have sex they are getting down and dirty and we're pretty convincing if i may say so myself I and agree. um that's when somebody asanti uh, pulls up and mitch like, like stay here stay here stay here yeah then she goes outside then they have that flashback fight where she was like Sos un pelotudo, vete, vete, vete. but then elias comes out and he's like pissed off because his brother showed up and she's like chill stay here that's when elias's friend gabby shows up and she gets pissed because now she knows that Elias wants to, like, go hang out with his buddies. Let me say, though, Elias is 19. I'm guessing this woman she is, is pushing in her 40? 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there is a, there's, there's a gap, which, look, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> judge anybody's relationship at all. When you're getting in between two brothers, like, girl, what are we doing and here? And also, like, so in the middle of them making out, whatever, that's that's when Elias is like, he's your ex. So that's when we find out that she's been fucking these two brothers. And it's like, okay, girl, get yours. But like, you know, I want to give her give her the benefit of the doubt here, because like, who knows whatever the situation is. But it's also like, this sounds like a bad choice, honey. Bad choice. Like, bad honey. choice. No. And not for nothing, but the actress is not bad. She's great. I thought yeah. out of the whole gang that we had, her and El Capitan were my favorite. We cut, it says, a day earlier. It's November 1st, 2011. Elias is working at a gas station. This asshole counselor Roa comes up looking for gas and all the fixings. I don't really understand the purpose of this scene other than to show an asshole counselor man and also the fact that Elias is kind of a rebel. 
Yeah, that he's like that he has a lower standard job than his brother that is a cop. Like I think we see sure. like oh, he's kind of just like a not a fuck up, but like he's definitely not on the level of his brother. He's working at a gas station. He takes his gum out and puts it in the tire um in the, like, like, filler the... upper hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drive y'all. Yes. I don't know the terms. Where where you would like, you know, you put air in your tires. He puts some gum on it so that because the fucking counselor Roa is an He's asshole to him. Yeah. So he so Elias puts gum on the thing to kind of let the air slowly escape. And right. at the same time, we see Santi kind of patrolling around in his. Uh, I was gonna say golf car. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> what his cop car with his partner. With Funky his partner. Magoo? Did you say Funky Magoo? I said, I said Chunky Magoo because he's like a bigger yes, dude. Yes, lo- love it. Chunky Magoo, sweet, sweet man. So they're driving around and they're basically saying like, this town is dead. Even the camp has closed. And I'm assuming here, but where we were doing the campfire story before, was that a Boy Scout camp or they wanted to turn it into a Boy Scout yes, camp? Yes, they eventually say, like, while they're, while the older, while Eusebio and the parents are talking, he's like, oh, you want to make these guys scouts or whatever? There's like a line about scouts in there. Yes. So, yes. Which I think is Eusebio was trying to like start a Boy Scout camp or something like that. And also at this point, Chunky Magoo in the cop car is like, it's been 15 years. And so you're like, hmm, what has been 15 years? What's going on? And he's also saying like, you and your brother, you know, I know you guys have this like strained relationship and it's been 15 years. And you're like, he's referencing definitely like whatever is going on between the brothers that it started 15 years ago. But we, again, don't know. What are we doing? That little scene happens. I, I really try to find, like, why do you want us to watch this? So I think that scene was just to, like, plant, it's been 15 years since some shit happened. So then... The, the we... other thing is, before you continue, mm-hmm. the director, like, intersplicing is his favorite fucking thing to do. So, so many of the scenes are, like, two scenes quilted together that we're supposed to go back and forth and, like, I don't know if they're meant to like help each other explain each other, but a lot of times they don't and you're just left. Okay. It's like a tennis match. You're like bing bong, bing bong. Like just give me one piece of information at a time. I honestly feel like this movie could be good with some severe editing. A lot of those stylistic choices, take them out, like edit, 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 clarify and kill your darlings kill the fucking darlings because like the performances for the most part were not, not bad. bad not bad <laughs> anyway here we go back into this interspliced nightmare so we <laughs> cut to elias he's hanging out with some pals it's like bo- guy talk Four boys and they're all just like chatting back and forth they're we find out that one of them, Gabby, who went to pick up Elias before, is doing like an exchange program for a girl. In um, Ireland. It, yeah, and they're all like making fun of him. But then they're like, let's get the hell out of here. We want to go to this bar. So they start making... El rancho. Of, El rancho. See, sí. entonces, Santi shows up and uh, he's like, where are you going? And so Elias is like, we're going to El Rancho. And San- Santi's like, that's where the putas are. I just literally put a dude in jail because he was stabbed at El 
rancho. And so he's giving warnings on warnings on warnings about el rancho. And still these right. douche nozzes are like, okay, whatever. Cause they're like young and 19 and just like, I don't give a fuck about you, Santi. They don't do a bad job of kind of establishing the tension between Santi and Elias. Yeah. And it's also like, you know that they're brothers. Elias is like, dude, I don't need another dad. My dad is dead. So you're like, oh, so I assume the dad or both parents have died at some point. And these two start to fucking fight. Yeah. The fight is broken up. My favorite part here was, I don't remember how it fit in, but when Santi <laughs> says, bastante gachito, did you catch that? Yes. Yes. Dude. Because the subtitles was like uh, very arrogant or very brave or whatever. But and then it said uh, very cocky. And uh, and then he said, bastante gachito. And I was like, oh, cocky and gachito. Okay, gachito, <laughs> which would be a non-Argentinian accent would be gallito, which means a small rooster. So cocky oh, makes sense. I loved that. Just bastante gachito. For me, uh, it was like they're fighting and fighting and fucking uh, Elias is like, la puta que te parió. And I was like, yes, give me all the putas que te parieron, hijo de la gran puta. I love it. We, we, get, <laughs> we get into the car. We're driving with these guys to El Rancho. One of them pulls out a picture of Elias and Santi with their parents. Um, and we see that it's the same parents that were at the campfire before with all those little kids. And I guess it's established here that these parents are, they're dead. And then they crash, they, they, they pass a creepy road with a bull skull. Yeah, like a Texas. Yeah, you know, like Southwest. I, Southwestern situation, like just the skull of a bull or like a cow or whatever. Which is an entrance to a creepy road. And the guys are like, it takes a lot of guts to go in there. They're about to drive in. and But they're like, no, I'm scared. They chicken out. So yeah. we cut to this terrible rock music bar sequence. Oh, and, my uh, God. Jonathan. Jonathan. So this, so terrible rock music bar sequence. The editing here between what I assume are improvised douche bro jokes, random shots of chucks, like the shoes, yeah. random like stock footage devil pictures, and this young blonde lady that you have no idea who she is. It just keeps bouncing back and forth, and it is a goddamn mess. Absolutely. I was like, I'm nauseous. Like, it's just constant movement of like shoes a weird picture on the wall that blonde lady dudes drinking beers and be like <laughs> a person making out in the corner blonde lady devil picture weird chucks again and it's like we you have get no it. idea You're, what's going on we're in a bar we don't need to get all this b footage of you guys being at el rancho however in this hideously spliced scene we get what might have been my favorite scene in the whole movie, which was this sweet little scene between Elias and his friend Gabby. Who I he's loved like, it. Oh my God. Well, first of all, again, look, I'm going to give credit to these actors because this scene touched my little heart and they were good. They just were good. So sweet Gabby, the guy that is going to Ireland on the inter ex in an exchange program, he is the one that in, in the group of friends, it seems that he gets made fun of the most. Gabby and Elias are sitting down and he's like, dude, listen, yes, I'm going to Ireland. Yes, it's because I'm talking to someone online, but it's not a girl. It's a guy. Like, I wanted to let you know I'm gay. 
And sweet so, Elias is like at this point though, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, no, 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 no. This is gonna be so homophobic. Elias is gonna be a fucking asshole. And I was just like, I was prepared for it. And I was like, don't make me dislike this movie more than I already do. 15 minutes in. But right. Elias, his face doesn't change for a second. He's like, dude, I've known you my whole life. I love you. These fuckers over here, your friends might give you shit, but they love you just like I do. The thing that, the one thing that I was like, oh, okay, Elias, but he's like, uh, just spare me the details. And I, I was literally like, okay. Wrote, I wrote down, don't tell me about sucking dick, bro. Look, the, I, I'm like, okay, everybody's got their boundaries, but the amount of years that Gabby, who just came out, probably had to hear all three of his fucking douchey bro friends talking about all sorts of shit. And Excuse me, see, I can't we, tell you the details. And we really? see he is the voice of wisdom, basically. Like, poor Gabby is like, I have to listen to you douche nozzes. And Like, every fucking day. And I must say, like, as a person who came out however many years ago, the, the way that these two guys delivered this little scene was very touching. I'm assuming that they're both very straight. I, my heart was racing because I was like, oh, God, I know that feeling. And yeah. just the fact that Elias was just so chill and nonchalant. So props to those two actors for nailing it. It was very and, nice. And the director and the writer and for putting in a sweet little tiny coming out scene in this film that has nothing to do with Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> I was going to say... For what reason? I do not know, but here we are. There was one little moment that's supposed to be like effective after this because they keep cutting back to the blonde sexy lady in the corner. They She's call being her hit on. The, they're called the the Uma Thurman gal is right. what I Uma wrote. Thurman. La Uma Thurman. So this woman is sitting is standing at the bar and all these men start like flocking to her and she's like got these like mysterious eyes and she's like looking around it's all very like zooming in the eyes i'm looking around and she's giving eyes to like the four boys at one point they even give you like a little like bing when she looks Uh at one of them it's very dramatic and very silly and they're just like whatever and then when finally she causes her ruckus in the bar everybody's like okay time to go elias is like hey to one of the friends i forget which one don't drive you're too drunk i'll drive and they see that she the uma thurman girl is now walking down the creepy path that they had just passed earlier that they were freaked out about with the the skull and they're like so gross and catcalling her and being like vamos a seguirla let's follow her it's that one fucking curl so i curly haired creepy fucking serial killer friend who's like so creepy because he's like we gotta follow this girl okay she's all by herself it's nighttime and it's not like oh we should make sure she's okay no we want to follow her so we can we, try so we, and like fuck with her. This whole next part is just is so uncomfortable. Gross. I'm just gonna say. Talk to me. It's very, very obvious that she is the she wolf of the campfire story from the top. Duh. She comes right up to the window, which like red flag, guys. Red flag, y'all. However, before you know, Santi did tell us he's like El Rancho is full of. <laughs> 
fool us. So fool maybe us. they assume that she is a sex worker. But they so definitely they... like are like whistling at her, and when they come up to her, they're like, "Don't you want to ride? Do you want to fucking get in this car? And we'll take you wherever you gotta go." And she gets to the window, and she's like, "Oh, nobody ever has the." balls to escort me fucking home and i'm like ooh, this bitch is gonna fuck y'all up so also she also says they're like oh it's nighttime be spooky and she's like yeah it's night what of it um by the way this was filmed in the daytime this is why i mean when i said earlier where it just like it looks like stock footage and like because literally you can see on their faces that it's a full daylight lighting and then they just put creepy clouds and like darkened everything to the point where I had to lighten my projector. I can't see a fucking thing, bro. It's. I guess like the reason they did it that way is because it's supposed to be a full moon, so it's supposed to be brighter. <laughs> okay. It it We're was gonna not get unfortunately to this full moon. Too, <laughs> not <by> convincing. <laughs> So, okay, so the girl gets into, the, the woman gets into the car. So they're like, okay, we're going to take you home. We, we pass by that creepy road. So the guys in the back have, like, their hands on her legs. It's hideous. But it's not only just hands on her legs. The way that they shot it was, like, she's so mysterious. One of us is going to put a hand on her leg, and she seems cool with it. Now the other one is going to put a hand on her leg at the same time, and she puts her hand. So it's, like, all supposed to insinuate, like, ooh, she's down to fuck. And not only fuck one of us, she's down to fuck all of us. And later Mm -hmm. on, one of them is yelling, like, it's my turn, it's my turn. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys. And Neri, like, we've heard, like, four sentences from her, one of them being like, nobody has the balls to take me home. Dude, it's very upsetting. So they hit something because the Rubia, I think, has kind of like entranced Elias, who is driving, whatever. They hit something. We literally never find out what it is. Curly-haired serial killer creep-ass friend is like, follow me, Rubia. As he gets out of the car, he lifts her skirt so he can show her ass to his friends, which is just, don't do this, people. I'm just sorry, I didn't see that. This. Oh, it, uh, it like still just like gives me like I'm really glad I didn't see that. Wow. So they go off into the woods. Elias and Gabby start to try to fix the car. The other one, the non-curly haired serial killer motherfucker, the bald, the bald, the bald guy, not the curly haired guy. He pulls out a camera and then all of a sudden we're in Blair Witch Project. He takes us to the forest Blair Witch style where of course Blair Witch style he gets lost. Now I'm gonna admit I was waiting for the jump scare here. Me too. For the jump scare because he pans around for I'd say like a solid five minutes. It took for fucking ever dude. Forever. And when the jump scare does arrive, it is, it's not, it's just lackluster, everybody. It is lack. What was the jump scare? He hears, so he's like, that's when he hears the moans. And he's like, oh, and he's like, it's my turn. My turn. And at some point, I think he hears like rustling leaves. He turns around and it's La Rubia looking at him like all menacing. And it is not, it's just not scary. At this point, we see the eclipse, which, AKA, you're fucked. Devil. So La Rubia, she comes out of the woods and she looks like kind of her hair is all down. She looks wounded. She falls to the floor. So Gabby goes up and is like, oh, my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? She goes running off into the woods. 
Gabby's like, we're going to jail. This I'm trying to go to Ireland, up. ho. I'm trying to meet the man of my dreams and y'all are fucking it up for me. So Gabby and Elias go chasing after uh, La Rubia and his, their asshole friends. And they're both struck in the head with rocks. Boom. That's it. I just want to say, at one point, somebody says, La concha tu madre pelotudo. And I was like, okay, I used to do a few videos with the lovely website Plama. And my sweet friend, Juan Nicolón, who is from Uruguay, and he has a similar accent to the Argentino. But he wrote a very funny sketch about the phrase, la concha tu madre. You should go. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's very fun. He describes all the different ways that la concha tu madre can be used. But just hearing la concha tu madre pelotudo, it brought a little bit of joy into my heart. And so it was nice to have that moment. We cut to the police station after this nighttime wood scene. Santi is talking to the head cop. What do you call the that? Cap- the sheriff? The, cap- the captain. The captain. <laughs> no, fucking no. <laughs> He's talking he to the sheriff. He walks into the street police station and he says, Sheriff. <laughs> oh my God. The captain is drawing something strange. Right. We He's get a, a weird little... angle on it that we can't really see what it is, but it's definitely something that we need. Like, it's obvious we need to pay attention to it. Hmm. I think that is the purpose of this scene is to be like, there's a little drawing that he's drawing on the table. What could it be? And also to establish that Santi does not have access to the camera footage. It's uh, They have to like get permission to do that. Right. And also that the situation is getting media attention because when Santi leaves, there's some uh, journalists there. We then cut to a scene of Santi and what did we call him? Chunky Magoo? Ch- Chunky Magoo in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Chunky Magoo, I loved. He's like, Me bro, t- fix your family life. You don't want to live like this. Your brother needs your help. Like, you don't, you don't know him. You know, like, just get to know your brother. Fix your, you know, he just wants the best from. I think they're partners, right? Like, yes, Chunky Magoo they must and- be partners. Mm-hmm. He's being so supportive of him. Yeah, he's just like you. You got this, and you got to quit drinking. To which Santi pulls out his little flask, drinks the last of it while staring at Chunky Magoo in the face. It's a very, it's a solid dick move. Yeah. Santi is not likable. Not really, not, not likeable. at all. No. So then Santi's like, okay, cool. Fuck you. I don't care what you just said. He's like, would you please find out about all the deaths in the forest between Malaurigo and Bacheviejo? Bacheviejo. <laughs> and. Please try to find out any occult stuff. And also he like lightly suggests stealing the camera, I think. Like just Yeah, he's like, uh, what's the deal with cults? Sectos, satanicos, whatever. Maybe five finger discount on that fucking camera and bop it over here. We then cut to Santi again talking to Mecha, and he straight up starts this scene by saying he just calls her a bitch. Like, that's literally the first line in the scene. And yeah. I was like, what's going on here? What, what are we doing? Mecha's like, after your parents died, you should have gotten closer to your brother, not further away. And she explains that her relationship with Santi, like her ex-lover, that shit is over. He asks her if she loves Elias. And mm-hmm. she's like, what does that have to do with 
anything. What does that have to do with your parents' accident, too? She's like, your parents died. How does it me fucking your brother have anything to do with any of this? Which, it's a complicated situation. It's a complicated situation, but it's also like, figure your relationship out with your brother and don't blame me, Mecha, for the problems that you have with him. But also, Mecha, you kind of fucking put yourself in this situation for fucking brothers, girl. Yeah, you're not, it's not like you're not complicating things a little bit here. Come on. (laughs) We cut again to the spooky woods. (laughs) <laughs> but this time, so it's Santi in the spooky woods, and I'm assuming he's at what is now the abandoned Boy Scout campfire place from the beginning where Eusebio was telling us the story. Yes, because, again, we they use the intersplice method to show him parked basically in the same exact place where the car that he was hanging out as a little boy playing video games. Good catch, because I did not catch that at all. I think so, that's what that was. No, I mean... that's, that's totally what that was. <laughs> so we're in the same place. We get a semi-jump scare when yes, I jumped. comes out. Yeah, I, I had a little like, ooh, okay, you know, they give you a little like sting there. Yeah. Um, he looks very different now. He his hair is long. He looks a lot older. He's he's become like a forest hermit. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> forest he, hermit. Yeah. Right. He's a little hermit. <laughs> Absolutely, what he is. This I like this part because they gave it what I I assume that mate that is kind of specifically from Argentina. Yeah. That the know. southern part of South America has a lot of mate stuff. Like Uruguay, Argentina, the bottom of Chile, they love that mate shit. Have I have had... never been a fan of the flavor, but I have had it, and it is literally cocaine. Dude, it is so strong. Yeah, if you're looking to not drink coffee anymore and want something else that's maybe less acid or whatever... Try mate, but also get ready to fully be coked out. That shit is so strong. (laughs) (laughs) And people love it. They love it. It's too too bitter for me, unfortunately. I don't don't don't, like the flavor. No, gracias. I mean, again, the last time I tried it, I was like very young. So maybe if you gave it to me today, I'd love it. But I like that they're drinking. Eusebio makes them mate, I assume, because that's what they're drinking in there. You can tell by the straw, because the straw, if you didn't know, friends that don't (laughs) live in Latin America, mate, you usually, it's a loose leaf tea, and you put it in your cup, and you put your hot water, and then you have a a special straw that has basically a strainer at the bottom part of the straw, so that you don't drink up your, and it's like a steel straw, it's like a, a very environmentally friendly straw, that is reusable and you don't have to like have a bunch of tea leaves in your mouth when you're drinking it. So there you go. I never thought it is environmentally friendly. This little mate straw. It totally is. And it's got the, the strainer included. I don't understand why more people are not using the damn thing to be totally honest. (laughs) But I guess not for us. (laughs) (laughs) But also no, thank you. Mate. Fuck off. This is where we finally happen, where we finally discover what happened 15 years, which still, I'm still like, eh. So so Eusebio explains that on that fateful night at the campfire, you know, you saw the little kids, you saw the parents, 
And you also saw Disco Blanket. What was the blanket? <laughs> disco Blanket. Disco. The couple in the Disco Blanket. They walk into the woods. And I guess we never hear from them again. And Eusebio, once everybody left, woke up the next day, went, was walking around in his, in his yard. And both of their heads, this uh, Disco Blanket couple both their heads were on spikes in front of his house. So he's arrested, but they find no evidence against him, but it's enough to completely tarnish his reputation. So now he is a little- A hermit in the woods. A hermit in the woods. But the thing that I'm confused about here, okay, so so that was the night that Disco Blanket couple was murdered. Yeah. Are we supposed- are we supposed to think that this was also the night that maybe there was a car accident and that the parents were killed in this accident? I thought this would reveal to us what the parents of Elias and Santiago, like what happened to them. And that's not the case. If anything, spoiler alert, gang, we never fucking find out. The only thing that is said is Eusebio is like, that night affected me a lot 15 years ago just as much as I know it affected you and that's why I'm like oh is that does that mean that the parent who knows if that was supposed to tell us that that's when his parents died then they didn't do a good job at telling us that point of the story in this same kind of story that Eusebio is telling Santi he explains that while he was living in the woods he once like heard a figure out in the woods so he shot at the figure to see if it would bleed and he found this horrible war dagger. I wrote down war machete. If you took a machete, but at the top of the machete, you kind of like bent it down to a point, like in a sickle sort of way, if you will. But it still has the length of the machete, but at the point, you get a a curved point. And he has it. And he's like, I found this, you know, something's funky in this vicinity, but nobody has messed with me ever since I found this, Machete. But why they left him alone after finding the machete, I have no idea because literally in this scene, so Santi leaves and Santi during this whole exchange with Eusebio, his body language was very dickhead. I was like, this guy sucks. He's he so... had his hand on his gun the whole yeah, entire like time. Staring at him like an asshole. Face. But yeah. then when he leaves Eusebio, he's like, mira, you're not alone out here. Like, I don't want you to feel alone. To which Eusebio replies, everybody's alone, kid, or something really bleak along those lines. Santi dries off, and in the next few moments... This is st- why I think, okay. Tell me, tell me. So, so Eusebio walks Santi out. This is where he says, hey, you're not alone, buddy. And... As they're walking out, Eusebio smashes the machete that he has protective machete on like a, a stump of a of a tree, and we had a we have a, a zoom in of that, and then he you know they say goodbye, and as Eusebio is walking back to his hermit hole, we see that the machete is gone, and so I was like maybe that's what was protecting him, and bang, we see that the machete point comes through the door with a bunch of blood and we find out that Eusebio has been murdered by somebody. Right before we see like a glimpse of a cloak go by. There's the devil. Here it is. 
we do get a lot of like cloak flashes There's throughout a, few, this a handful movie. of cloaks. Yeah. So yeah, Eusebio's dead after this war dagger pierces his body. Who knows? Yeah. We then cut back to Santi's house. He's with Mecha, and they, and they just have... start fucking. But they but do the, the forehead most... kissing. Ugh. There was this weird forehead it's like a this is how okay a forehead kissing makeout session which is very like maternal it's very it's not sexy whatsoever no i it's think just... they they try to make it seem like it's these two people that are going through something things are going badly for us and then they just happen to start fucking because it's like comfort relief whatever all that shit put together but you can tell that she's not really wanting to and but like not in a way that seems uncomfortable and like forced if anything they did a good job in those two actors did a good job with the like kind of discomfort where it's like i so badly at this time because like shit is going on poorly in my life right now i would love some like physical affection or attention she particularly does a good job of being like i don't know i don't i'm not i'm not sure but and she like eventually they come apart because he gets called off to like go check something his like phone his cop walkie-talkie goes off and uh, and she like has a little tear go down and it's everybody's like, OK, maybe it's good that this didn't actually go through. I don't know. It was all very awkward to watch. Yes, uh, agreed. And if you were curious as to where Elias has been during this whole movie, which we have not <laughs> been including it because they keep cutting back time and time again and it's unnecessary to tell you, but he's literally been in bed sleeping, like suffering from nightmares now we cut back to our favorite chunky magoo chunky Um, magoo (laughs) it's quite possible there was another scene before this but who fucking cares i'm pretty sure it's not because i think it cuts right to like fingers typing on a computer and like all of a sudden these like google images of satanic shit this is the first time that he's like okay dia de de los muertos let's find out more of this stuff and it does explain to us however this like at the top of this episode i was like i'm pretty sure they made this shit up because i looked it up and i didn't find anything like this but in chunky magoo's research (laughs) he finds out that in argentina this particular holiday is spookier mas tétrico something like that so and that like occasionally people paganos Yes, it's a pagan ritual date, and some people even perform satanic rituals. Yeah. And at this point, also, it keeps focusing on pan, pan de los muertos. Pan de muerto. It looks like a head. I googled pan de muerto. Y pan de muerto is something that they do for Day of the Dead in Mexico, where it's basically just like, Es un pan dulce. It's a sweet pastry that they make and that's just like, yum, this is something <laughs> we eat. And yum. Like, but, <laughs> but this guy is like, pan de muerto, and it's a plate with a fucking head on it. Not even a full head. It's like they took the front half of a head, the face, and they put it on a plate. And they're like, pan de muerto, enjoy. And it's like, no? And they keep cutting back to it and it is a really unfortunate image to look at i'm just now, gonna say and when we say cutting back this whole section it looks like they just went on google and like typed in horrible stories or horrible pictures of dead people literally 
a slideshow of imagery of like cults and sects and all that stuff and this like random like sound of like him typing on a computer it's supposed to be like him doing research on it but it just looks like a slideshow of horrible imagery and you us trying to follow along with the like the words that he's looking up it is yeah yeah, yeah. very confusing it's very messy and while he's doing this research he's at the the precinct i assume and he starts starts to hear like weird banging so he does go to inspect and at one point he like looks out a window when he closes the window you see the reflection of a hooded figure what they're doing out of the woods who knows at the same time santi has gone back to the woods to the abandoned boy scout camp no it's like a castle or some shit yes so he i think he's officially like deep in the area where the boys had been driving past the like cow skull basically and he finds like a castle slash big mansion in the middle of the woods dude and... la, la casa del diablo that's la all casa i could diablo. say all our nicaraguan listeners la casa del diablo that's what <laughs> I, I, that's Carretera all i could think sur. of <laughs> And it's why it's while he's here at, you know, what we like to call La Casa del Diablo that he finds Elias's scarf that Elias yes. was wearing the day that he uh, that he actually went missing. So and he gets a and he gets a voicemail message from Chunky Magoo and Chunky Magoo is like, listen, my dude, I'm here at the office. I Googled all the shit you asked me to Google. Got some great slides. <laughs> for you to look at that. And BT dubs, uh, when you get in, just go to my computer, use my password, I know you have it, and just see what I got because you're going to want to fucking see this. So that is so that is exactly what he does. So yeah. he comes back to the precinct, he looks up Chunky Magoo's stuff, he finds all the occult internet info, specifically about a cult that does its stuff on November 2nd. Yeah. So it's like, and, oh, okay, now today's the day. A, there is a, a, a specific thing that he lands on on his computer. Well, no, before he does that, he sets the police station ablaze. Which, why he sets... Okay, hold on. Let's, <laughs> let's go back for just a second here. Because he finds the little drawing. It is the same drawing that his boss was drawing from before. Yes. And it's, I wrote it down. Me too. It says, it says, La presa que se escapa va a estar siempre rodeada. Nunca va a poder liberarse. Lleva el legado. What is legado? Legacy? A ver, vamos oh. a buscar. That's okay. what I thought, but no busqué. I didn't look, so let's fucking, let's, let me Google Translate really fast. Legado. Legacy. Okay. So this is basically, in my, you know, very poor translation, like la presa, meaning like the, the, uh, the prisoner. The prisoner who... or like the, the prey, like the, the captive person. So the imprisoned who escapes will always be surrounded, will never be able to be free, and carries the legacy. Yes, correct. He sees this. I believe he puts two and two together. 
And he burns down the he, fucking police station. Which I assume he does that because he's like, oh, my boss was drawing the thing. So my boss is a Satanist. So I'm That's burning was, this shit down. This is never like, explained, though. Never. Which is why they were like, let's make it a big deal. Let's zoom in on the captain drawing this weird thing. And then people will get it. It's like. Yeah, but the drawing doesn't fucking make sense. Like, we don't know what it is if we look at it. So not until, like, this moment that we kind of match it to something else, then the captain is a Satanist or, like, the captain is in this weird cult. What's the deal? And so he's like, fuck it, burn it to the ground. So he burns down the precinct. He goes home. He has stolen the camera. Yeah. So he is watching the footage of one of those douche-ass guys walking through the woods. And at this point, we cut to Elias, and he's having... More splicing, more splicing. Elias is having a hideous nightmare. Basically, what happened to him starts to come come back. We finally get the revelation of what happened that night. Because in the very beginning, when it does actually happen... The last thing we really see from him is him looking out through the woods and it seems like fire and that's when the rock smashes him on the head and so we don't see anymore. So now at this point when he's like having a daydream or nightmare or whatever, we see what that blaze was because we only saw it on his face. So it, the camera turns and we see that, that the, the house that Santi was at earlier is has like some fires and then there is... La Loba, Shakira, She-Wolf. There's a She-Wolf in this mansion. She will burn down all your shit. If only she was actually dressed like a She-Wolf, but, but no, it's just La Rubia. There's no, she's naked, and she's having sex with the dead corpse of one Wait, of her... Wait, is she fucking it? I thought she was just eating their faces or their bodies. Pretty or sure. Because their... remember the moaning? I, mean, I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure she's having sex with the body. I think it's the curly-haired douche serial killer guy. She rips out his heart. She's eating his heart. There's Satanists in the back, like, Sanctus Santa, si, si, Who, <laughs> Okay, guys. But, no. So here we are. He gets this flashback. He sees that all his friends, including poor sweet Gabby, their, their throats are being slashed with, I think, the war machete. No, they're getting their fucking heads cut off, dude. I'm going to say this. The footage of them cutting their heads off, I was like, this doesn't look that bad. Like, for like horror stuff, I was like, oh, they actually looks like they're actually, you know, cutting off their heads. Not that I would know, but, like, it looked pretty realistic and effective, basically. I agree 100%. Those practical effects, I think they did a good job. It was particularly bloody and gruesome. Um, yeah. And so at this point, Elias wakes up from his dream he looks out the window he pulls the curtain and la rubia pops up behind him and then he like actually wakes up and he's screaming and freaking out so santi comes in is like holding him trying to calm him down and you see mecha she's in the same house she's been sleeping on the teeniest little bench as they're hugging they hear some noise and shit and they get up and there's um la mecha and she wakes up and she's like what's going on i hear that noise too and then a window opens and i was like oh, not even like a whoo but like no a, just like oh ah. <laughs> yeah ah. uh, <laughs> and then they go outside and there's a huge blood x on the house and then we cut to one year later 
That's literally what happens. Like that yeah, scene it says, ends and it says, I know that voice. So I guess they're fine because we literally cut to a shot of Elias and Mecha in bed. So I guess they're cool. They're together now. Everybody's fine. This, okay. So the ending of this movie, which we're about to get to, is so all over the place. We cut to a reporter in front of the abandoned castle. And she's like, mm -hmm. one year ago, this horrible thing happened. But the only survivor was Elias, whatever his name is. There's been some satanic shit here. Who knows? The woods are creepy. This, of course, is interspliced Again. with scenes of La Rubia, except now she's oh, wearing- Oh my God. Okay. Everything stopped. So again, we're in Interspice Central and we see that Santi is at El Rancho. Not Elias, Santi the cop is at El Rancho. His hair is longer. He's got a cap on. He's like drinking a beer and like the voiceover of the reporter is talking and we still, we see people making out. It's the same kind of footage that we had when the first time we were in the rancho. Sneakers, a weird beer, people making out, the picture of the devil. And then instead of her being Rubia, the Rubia now has the most terrible wig I have ever seen in my life. The actress who, like, I can imagine that she was handed that thing and was like, are we sure that we want to do this? They did not brush that thing out. That is a shake and go. And they didn't even shake it to go, okay? They were like, out of the weird plastic thing, put it on. She put it on. It, it, she might as well put it on backwards. Like, it looked crazy the way that the bangs i was like ma'am also not for nothing but i'm pretty sure that santi's long hair is also a wig oh my god they just decided to just go ham and be like you know what let's just hand out wigs so santi is clearly there watching the la rubia who is and now she's again collecting men the same way mm -hmm. that she was the year before and she's yes. like, hello, yes, I'm not recognizable because of my lovely, dark, luscious hair. A wig line? What are you talking about, weird bangs? You're crazy. This is not, not a wig. Come what with is me. The, what is the line? This is my hair. I don't wear wigs. <laughs> uh, um, she's uh, like, I'm Alaska Thunderfuck. So she does, <laughs> she does collect her men. And uh, we go outside and we see outside Elias, Santi, Chunky Magoo. So clearly this is a sting operation. And my favorite little thing here. Was La Diablita? Wig. Yes! We pass. <laughs> so, okay, we leave the bar. She's like walking with her gaggle of stupid boys. And they pass a sign that says La Diablita, which is the, the, it's the little devil lady, I guess. Yeah, which little is devil a, gal. a little kind of painting that has been graffitied on the wall of a blonde devil lady, which... Are you guys, you really don't think we don't know who that is Come on. in that hideous wig? Are you sure you want to put that in there for us? Before we continue, which we didn't talk about when we were with Eusebio. Mm -hmm. So when Santi goes to see Eusebio before he gets murdered, Eusebio's like, I got a story to tell you. And he's like, in World War II, a bunch of people came across a trench where there was a bunch of dead Nazis in it. In it were also a bunch of Polish soldiers. And basically, 
they like made a plan so that they would bring in the Nazis and they could fucking now they're surrounded and they can kill the Nazis because they lured them in or something like that. So now we get a voiceover once the once La Loba starts walking with her men and the brothers are there and Chunky Magoo and it seems like the sting is about to like happen and we get this voiceover that is explaining like the cult process of like how they deal with these people that the Loba brings in. They bathe one of the victims in blood. They sometimes make the victim like actually perform some of the rituals with them. And then they're like, okay, we're going to let you run away. And that's when the hunt begins. Right. So they chase him. If they don't catch him, that means the circle stays open. They never say if they do catch him, what happens? But also like, what the fuck does it mean if the circle stays open? I have no idea. They never explain that either. So the circle is open because Elias got away. Basically, this sting operation, they're crashing in on the same exact situation that happened a year earlier, which is this La Lova, La Rubia, who is now bad shake and go wig, has lured a bunch of these guys. Yeah. They're being attacked in the woods, I guess. One of them is like, help me, help me. He's naked, running away. Somehow... They capture La Loba. She's drenched in blood. And she's like, you guys are fucked. They're going to get you. They're going to tear you to pieces. We also find the poor guy who, like, the naked guy who was running away. And at this point, I believe it is Eusebio who is talking because there's this weird shot where Eusebio is like, he again, for the millionth time, is like, Malabrio, bicha. What is it? (laughs) Bicha, bicha. But it like pans from one brother to the next. So I was like, okay, are we saying here that the forest in between, like we are now bridging the gap, like one brother is Malabrigo, the other brother is Bacheviejo or Bisha Bisha, and like they're getting (laughs) over their... Right, like the rift is over because now they've come together to fight the evil. I have no idea. Wow, I can't believe... I can't believe that's what you read from that. That's That kind of makes sense. I would have never put that shit together. <laughs> so, okay, so we're all here. Chunky Magoo, Santi, Elias, we all pull out guns. The uh, Eusebio, I assume, voiceover is still going on. And it starts to tell us about, like, the same kind of uh, Nazi story from before. Yeah. Where it's like, they we were, were surrounded, but this time they won't escape. So... <laughs> They just start to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot at what we imagine are like the Satanists out in the woods. We never see them. There is never like there's rustling and there's maybe like a shadow or two. But like literally Chunky Magoo pulls out a fucking big, I mean, I don't know guns, but he he is. It's like a fucking I'm a fuck you up gun. They all get their like dramatic uh, camera shots, like boom! I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. At one point, like they they close up on um, Santi, and he's like, bing, bing, boom! He <laughs> that is not a gun sound, but he shoots off, and the movie, <laughs> the movie ends with the bing, bing, boom. I could not believe that this was the ending. I Me was neither, honestly, dude. I, I, <laughs> like. 
as soon as it ended, I was like, oh, so that was supposed to be like a really heroic, very dramatic ending, but it was not. So I guess this director, ¿Cómo es que se llama? Did you see his name? Dude, I did not pull up his name. Hold on, hold on. Give me a second. Esio Massa. Esio Massa. Esio Massa. I googled this film and there was a lot of articles that weren't very nice about it. Basically, they're like, good try, but no thanks. He, I guess, did a lot of cop movies. So this ending gave me that, like, we're at a standstill. It's all very, like, action guns and you know whatever which felt not unnecessary but like we didn't see anybody get killed we never saw the actual like the only villain we actually have is la loba y ella como que whatever she's just like bring these men to me and and i'll eat their hearts and fuck their bodies i guess and then i'll collect some more and like we never saw the rest of the cult nunca vimos like Anyone who was else? involved? What, like, remember the captain, sheriff, head chief yeah. guy, like, doing the drawing? Never saw him tied in again. Before they cut to one year later, how the house has the big red bloody X on it. What? But also, this specifically happens during a full moon and an eclipse. Which happens Is again this? the year after. Like, that's not how planets and eclipses work. Bitch, we don't get an eclipse every November 2nd. Like, what? Right. They really could have edited so much. Had you cut out a lot from the top and the middle, you could have taken more space at the end for us to actually see what happened. Yeah. Like, the stakes were not really high whatsoever. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I guess you shot all these, all you, you shot the cult, cult to death. And also, like, to tie in the She-Wolf story, like, wait, is this supernatural? Or is this just a bunch of fucking people who want to dress up and, like, do weird cult stuff for what? You never, ever you never really know. get it. Literally, Eusebio says a line where he's like, it could be a bunch of people in, in costumes, or it could be the devil himself. I don't know. And it's like, this is what this movie is. I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter. I would love to hear your fun facts or trivia okay. if you have any. So it's it was more like, okay, what is Dia de los Muertos everywhere else except in Mexico? It's often called Dia de Todos los Fieles Difuntos, November 2nd in particular, because November 1st is Dia de Todos los Santos. So All Saints Day. Y en Dia de Todos los Santos, we pray and are celebrate the saints, but not only the saints, but the people that have officially, and I wrote, beat purgatory. So all the dead people that have been hanging in purgatory, if they finally have been done with their penance or whatever shit, the people have prayed enough for them, whatever, and All Saints Day, that's when they finally can become saints, quote unquote, but like be in the realm of the heavens and God and whatever. No, on November 2nd, which is Dia de Todos los Fieles Difuntos or Dia de los Muertos, it's, again, all of this is based on Christian faith, especially Catholicism. This is the day that you pray for the people that used to be faithful to Jesus, but also like are now in purgatory. 
All Saints is like, you made it. You passed purgatory. Good job. Day two, November 2nd, is like, sorry, guys. You're still in purgatory, but we're praying for you. We're hoping you're doing great. This is the purification that may help you get out of purgatory and whatever sins that you may have not been able to release when you were alive. And so your family or your loved ones do the penance for you on land, if you will. But also it has a pagan origin that the campesinos of all these Catholic countries, so basically people that live in rural areas or indigenous people that have less, that still have like the Christian aesthetic kind of within everything, they that's they believe that um, the dead return to where they lived and participate in like a day of being amongst the living and indulge in like food and all that stuff. And that sounds more like Dia de los Muertos from Mexico, which is basically the day where you're like, here are ofrendas and here's like a beautiful meal. You put an empty plate at the table for the person that you've lost in your family so that they can be with your family again and that kind of stuff. So sure. so sure, Day of the Dead in Mexico is like, you have very visceral images of it as like marigolds and like lots of orange and red and the sugar skulls and all that stuff. But it is all based on Christian Catholic. This is us praying and helping our loved ones that have passed to actually get to heaven and be amongst God. Watching this movie, you know, I know we just talked talked a lot of shit, but I was like, at least this will be interesting for us to talk a little bit about Day of the Dead, which is something something that I know of, but in a very kind of general sense. Mm-hmm. I like I discovered all those things that you just told me about Day of the Dead and how like in Mexico it's very it's kind of like a joyous. It's very joyous. It's very loving. So, but I wanted to like find out, okay, but where did this like originally come from? Which I could not really get into like the depths of it because I think that would take a long time. However, I did find this little interesting thing here that said, this is from Wikipedia, everybody. So thank you, Wikipedia. And again, donate. Donate. Um, uh, Prior to Spanish colonization in the 16th century, the celebration took place at the beginning of summer. Gradually, it was associated with October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd to coincide with the Western Christian tridum? tradition, I'm going to say, of All Hallowtide, which includes All Saints' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. And also, this teeny thing here that kind of goes back into the Aztec thing that says... The Day of the Dead celebrations in Mexico developed from ancient traditions among its pre-Columbian cultures. Rituals celebrating the deaths of ancestors had been observed by these civilizations for perhaps for as long as 2,500 to 3,000 years. But then here also it says the festival that developed, oh, in the modern Day of the Dead, fell in the ninth month of the Aztec calendar, which is now like what we celebrate today. And that, which was dedicated to the goddess Mictecacihuatl. I think it's Mictecacihuatl. 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 Beautiful. I mean, y'all, if we fucked it up. (laughs) Again, with all due respect, but that that is the lady of the dead. 
Um, another little fun fact, though, here was I think Eileen and I have mentioned that we're watching all the James Bond movies right now. Uh-huh. And spoiler alert, Eileen, because you have not seen this one yet, and I believe I have. I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, in I the know. 2000. Oh, Spectre? Is it <laughs> yeah. Spectre? I'm well, going to read it for our listeners, go, though. Go, 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 go. Yeah, so yeah. in the 2015 James Bond film, Spectre, the opening sequence features a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City. At the time, no such parade took place in Mexico City. One year later, due to the interest in the film and the government desire to promote the pre-Hispanic Mexican culture, the federal and local authorities decided to organize an actual Dia de Muertos parade through Mexico City, so which was attended by 250,000 people. Wow, uh, way to go, James crazy. Bond. And last teeny thing about this, if you go online and look up Berkeley Center, and particularly this article by Regina Marchi, she talks about how Day of the Dead is celebrated basically all around the world, all around Latin America, and it's all like kind of the same. I think in Mexico, it's more like celebration, more joyous, but it is, it's celebrated absolutely everywhere. Especially if you are of the, in Christian faith, I think there's always a, a, I think that day is specifically meant for you to remember your dead loved ones. So mm-hmm. like Mexico in particular made it so that it was like fun and beautiful and like, uh, an actual like party i guess or like holiday and everybody else is like i guess i'll just fucking do an extra rosary tonight for my dead grandma or whatever you know what i mean yes because i looked up i was like well what about in argentina Mm -hmm. and there was very little i could find very little it was like a light catholic celebration but i did find is it called quora the website quora yeah um there were like i guess comments placed there were actual older Argentine people were like, maybe we celebrated this back in the day, but it is not really celebrated. And it was a few people who posted like, in Argentina, it's- No hacemos nada. It's, I mean, maybe we're like, oh, I check the date. It's, it's all, it's Dia de los Muertos, but nobody really celebrates it. Yeah. So this movie took full liberty. Yeah, they literally <laughs> were like, what's the day, November 11th? Sure. Is there anything special? Dia de los Muertos? Great. We'll throw it in there. Great. Do you have more fun facts for me? No, that's literally it. There was nothing. I forgot that I do have. They're not fun at all, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So Santi, the police officer, Juan Gil Navarro, and Mecha, who is played by uh, Agustina Lecona? Lecona. They are both telenovela stars. (gasps) In Argentina. Oh, my God. She's got a lot of TV work. I did find Agustina on Instagram, and she's got a lot of followers. I was like, holy nice. shit. All right. Go for it. Go um, for it, girl. You nailed it. This, you did a great job, this film. She did. She really, really did. Great performance, uh, Agustina. Uh, Elias, the younger guy, uh, the actor's name is Nicolás Alberti, is now an artist whose work can be seen in the Playmobil movie. Does this ring a bell for you? You know, like Playmobil toys? Yeah. So they made a movie, I guess, that came out last year with actually some names that I recognized, like um, Anya Taylor something or other. She was in The New Mutants. She was in The Witch. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I believe she voiced. And the new Emma. Yes. And then Jim Gaffigan? 
<laughs> yeah, Jim Gaffigan is an amazing comedian. So apparently he and the, the, those two voiced some of the characters in this movie that wow, uh, Nicolas Alberti, right? Like that he Elias. was part of the, um, the uh, art department or whatever. And something I did not know existed. He was also part of the art department for the Angry Birds Toons TV series. Wow. I did see the Angry Birds movie in the movie theaters. And I'm sorry to report that to you. Because it was not good. All right. Are you ready for some questions? Yes. Eileen, were you scared when you watched this movie? No. (laughs) Were you? No. In this movie that you were not scared in, what was your best scare? I think it was, there was a moment where when Elias is having a nightmare, he's like, freaking out about seeing everything again. He wakes up, he goes to the window to open the curtain and he sees a red light and behind him, somebody like stands up and then he really wakes up. That moment I did go, that was my, I think that was my best scare. So my best scare in the movie, even though it did not deliver a jump scare, was that whole like Blair Witch sequence because I was like, I think Waiting there were some for fingers it. up where I was like, okay, I'm ready for the jump. I'm ready for the jump. Um, but it unfortunately, when it came, it was very bad. And also, I got to give it to um, Eusebio when he's a hermit. Eusebio. And he gives us the little jump scare. I was like, all right. Good job, Eusebio. Who was your favorite character? I think Eusebio. <laughs> Eusebio gave yeah. us the most information. He like had a semi-decent character arc in that he looked like a normal old man, hermit old man, dead old man. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, Ilse- and I just love his name, Eusebio. I had a lot of trouble with this one because, so I find this movie like- <gasps> Wait, 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 I take no, it please. back. Give it to it's me. Not, it's not Eusebio, it's Gali. So- it's Gali because he was a sweet little brave man and was like, Hey, buddy, I'm gay. <laughs> and he tried to do the right thing. He really did. So, he did. And this movie was kind of misogynistic. Absolutely. Like they, they present, like, the, 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 the two female characters, one is a she-wolf demon person, yeah. and the other one is this woman who is having sex with two brothers. Uh, but, like, I, so my favorite characters, because I have terrible trouble deciding things, first of all, I got to give it to Mecha, just because she, even though she was making questionable choices, she still was like pretty strong in her convictions yeah. about what she was doing. And she was a complicated character, which I enjoyed. Plus, she gave us a pretty good performance. And Gabby, because he came out in the movie, that scene was so sweet. Had they just listened to Gabby, they could have avoided this whole fucking thing. Absolutely. And Gabby would be off in Ireland with his handsome Irish guy. Oh, but man. Let's keep going. What is your favorite line? La concha tu madre, pelotudo. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Oh, yes. Mine is similar. Mine was, sos un pelotudo. Right at the top, Mecha saying it to Santi. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I love this line. Sos un pelotudo, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your best death? I'd say Eusebio. 
Agreed. It felt kind of like Friday the 13th a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 was... for sure. Yeah, I agree. Did you learn anything about this culture? Um, well, I learned that Argentina doesn't really do Dia de los Muertos. And uh, I learned that South America loves a 40 bottle of beer. When I, I went to Chile a long time ago, when I went, the place, the bars and places that we would go to, you'd always just get a fucking 40 of beer and you'd share it with your friends and that's what you do. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know if it's that I, I didn't, I don't think I learned this about Argentina, but it was nice to see that like that's a common thing, specifically in South America, I think. Like just like, here's our 40 of like shitty beer and we're young and, and having fun. And I never really noticed about the 40s, but it sure took me back to college. Holy shit. Nice. Uh, when uh did you ever drink did you drink 40s in college i drank every now and then like i did <laughs> edward 40 hands remember Oof. did you ever do that yes <laughs> fuck but, I it mean... was, but those were like malt liquor i'm talking in latin america you get just it's 40s of just regular like of your beer mm-hmm. and it's not even like great beer it's like lagery kind of thing it's corona-esque it's just light beer that you can fucking pound and that's why they just they give you little glasses that are almost tumblers and then this big ass 40 and you're just hanging with your pals and just i love that stuff the little glasses works for that beer because you just drink it down fast pam doesn't have a second to get warm refill hang out with your friends listen to your fucking Roca en Español, you're having a great time. <laughs> yes. Um, I, Did I, you I learn agree anything? That that was, the only thing that I really learned was not specific about Argentina. It was just about Day of the Dead, which sure. I knew about, but was a very like general knowledge. So just learning a little bit more, but then also realizing like how deep it goes. Like This celebration existed before it got colonized. Yeah, and then they that the fact that they like kind of in a pot swirled it all together and then still so recently made it keep making it more important as we I mean, cuz I remember having parades in San Francisco for for Day of the Dead, but like that didn't come until way later. That wasn't a common thing and now we know that on November 2nd there is always so I think that's really great that it's like an evolving holiday. And now with like the more popularization of Latinx culture in in like our films and in our cartoons and this kind of thing. And like, you tell me any fucking person who has seen Coco that wasn't fully affected by it. <laughs> it's your A, you're made of stone if it didn't. B, yeah, who are you? Where's your heart? be here's the thing everyone fucking dies and in some way you're going to honor the people that have died every culture has some way of doing that and i think this version of it or at least the the mexican version of it is so it's so colorful and bright and it's such a great way of putting darkness and lightness together to quote dolly parton laughter through tears is my favorite emotion and i think that's definitely what dia de los muertos is like you can have sadness through happiness you can have happiness 
through sadness. Unfortunately, this movie didn't touch on any of those things. I, I love I love what you just said about well, first of all, bringing in Dolly Parton. <laughs> Like, it's specifically a steel it's a steel magnolias quote thank you so much but <laughs> even better but yeah. i'm also interested to you know as people are kind of rediscovering reclaiming their culture their identity to see how much further back we can go with dia de los muertos to really find out the roots yeah pre-colonization just For to sure. see what happens happy dia de los muertos everybody happy dia de los muertos go buy yourself some marigolds something that i think is really nice that is also part of the of the culture is making the person that you love or the person that has passed away that was dear to you making their favorite dish on this day is because there is a big tie-in to food, especially because, hello, Mexican culture is so food-derived. If you have a loved one that has passed away and you want to pay them homage or think about them, make a meal or make something or eat something that they love to eat, and that's definitely a way to, like, connect a little bit further with somebody. Oh, I think that's such a beautiful idea. Yeah. Put a little picture up and say thanks for being with me or protecting me or just good luck with the afterlife hope everything is cool hope you're you're doing okay if you're in purgatory you can do it (laughs) (laughs) and i guess you know uh see you in the afterlife at some point you know see you soon or maybe not soon hopefully not hopefully not too soon (laughs) not too soon but Uh, we but we're thinking of you and then may your may your rest be peaceful also i mean we're we're doing this a little bit earlier but like ruth bader ginsburg we love you so much the day of the dead put up a little picture of ruth bader ginsburg google what her favorite thing to eat was but oh a lovely gosh. a little flower a little marigold next to her wish her a well a good trip to the afterlife and may what she protect that, us what is it we're supposed to say may her memory be a blessing may her memory be a blessing may her memory be a revolution as always rate review rate. leave us a little comment leave us some uh, five stars because they really they help us yeah tell your friends tell your family if you love it if you hate it tell your enemies and uh, uh i hope you don't black have lives enemies. matter black lives Trans matter lives matter oh my god brianna taylor again a- another person you can fucking put a Please. sweet picture up and wish her tell her we're sorry Br- brianna we're thinking of you we're so sorry that this country has let you down and we're still, you know, we're still trying to find out what we can do to not let this fucking shit happen again. We so, can vote. We can vote, vote that motherfucker out. Please, please, please vote. Please, please vote. vote. It means it, it's so important. When this come out, when this comes out, it will be the day before. just a, a little bit before you head to the polls. Go to the polls. Do your civic duty. Please, please. Our lives depend on it. Do it for Ruth. Do it for Brianna. Do it for literally the kids in the future. Do it because COVID has annihilated us. 
There are so many reasons why you should do it. Just fucking do it. Vote. Please vote. Here we are. Hey, wow. Johnny, I, I fucking love you, dude. I love you, too. This was uh, this is fun. This is a good one. This was a fun time. Hey, guys, we'll see you next week. Hasta luego. Bye. Solo